Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Jocks. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is it's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our buy it now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the Marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with Platinum ad. It also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship the reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit TheReptileReport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder, then visit ShipReptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related.
Good evening, everybody. Uh, this is Owen McIntyre, your host from Morelia Python Radio. Eric Burke is not here. He's gone. He's left us. He's forsaken us. He has gone to Florida yet again, which means I'm running the show. And we have with me tonight uh, the plug-in co-host, the man who will eventually replace me when Eric Burke gets bored of me and decides he's had enough. And that would be Rob Stone. Rob, are you you're in? You can hear me? I sure hope so. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, good to be yeah, here with you. I'm, I'm not out to take your job, for sure. <laughs> hey, you're already doing better, like 10 times better than I ever have when he's left me alone. Like, I'm pretty sure he dreads going to Florida because he knows he has to leave me alone with the radio show. I mean, everything else is, you know, the the, 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 the snakes and the dogs, whatever. It's leaving Owen alone to his own devices probably keeps him up at night. So... Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, you, <laughs> <laughs> but now Rob's here, and Rob can like babysit me and make sure I don't do anything too horrible, and that we have a show next week when he comes back. So, but <laughs> it's so weird that he planned this show, and I bet you he's kicking himself for not being here because this is the Carpondro show that he was all gung ho about, and. He's like he left me here, and we all know how I feel about Carpondros, and it's like you love them, right? Kind of, I, I, I adore them. I wish I had nothing but. But it's like it's like this is just poor planning. He could have done this next week when it was, or if it, this had been the White Lips show, I don't need him. So you know, it's, I, I don't know. But Rob, how are things with you? How's your season going? What's going on with your stuff? Oh, pretty well. Nothing too exciting yet. I mean, mostly colubrids over here, so I just pulled them out of the deep freeze last week. So I'm like, you know, I get super jealous seeing on Facebook everyone else posting up all these locks, all this activity. Looks like developing. You got Eric over here who's just getting, you know, getting close to eggs or, you know, getting close to the sheds that precede those eggs and all that stuff. And I'm going, Mm -hmm. man, I just barely put them together. I did get one lock from uh, (laughs) an early lock from some colubrids, and the homes are doing okay, same, you know, same as they always do. I think those are a routine critter, and eventually eventually it'll hit, but it's just about doing the same thing day in, day out for, you know, years, basically. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah, no, behind uh, behind all you, I'm sure. Well, any rhino stuff brewing again? Because you're going to have yeah, to have yeah. with those again this year. So. I know, right? It, we'll have to do something, yeah. figure something out for Timley. So, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully a clutch. Uh, of unrelated stuff, so wild female nice. and F1 male. It's from two different uh, unrelated pairs. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll see. And I don't know if you saw those ones I posted up, but getting I, the whole bag that I have are getting really nice. Yeah, it's something about a rhino when it's like it, when it's standing still and it looks like all green, and then it moves, and then you start seeing the white in the scales that they have. It just it just adds to their level of coolness. Yeah, they got a horn on their head. But, like, when it's in motion, you see colors that you don't see when it's sitting still. It's really cool to me. So, they're tempting. Very, very tempting. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So, um, now, it says here on my little um, cheat sheet that the opening is, what do we think of Carpondros? And, Rob, I'll start with you. What do you think of Carpondros? Do you own any? Would you own any? Would you produce any? <laughs> well, sure. I guess 
um, you know, I've been familiar with them for a while, right, preceding uh, Eugene's Chaviridis and all that whole situation. Um, I think, and I'd love to hear from Bill and John and uh, the other John, if if we can get him on mm-hmm. here, that uh, at some point that um, they were first produced, I think, at like the Baltimore Aquarium or something, and presumably incidentally, you know, not as a intentional product. That's so cool um, because, uh, I mean, you look at um, – when I was working in the zoo, of course, we all talked about, you know, the ligers and the jaglons and, you know, the ones where you mix the big cats together. And half of those were by complete accident. Nobody ever was setting out to create this animal. It just happened because you house these two animals together and boom, babies. So it'd be kind of funny if it was the whole Carpondro started – again, in a place that was a zoological-type area. So Yeah, I mean, as I say, I think cool. that's that's my understanding. We'll have to see if there's any truth to that or not. Yeah. I know, I'm sure I'll know better than me. But, um, you know, so they're neat, uh, neat critters, certainly produce some weird looks. I'd love to hear more about more about them. I think when Eugene mm-hmm. had talked about them, he said basically, you know, they all work, basically with the clutches and fertility and stuff, seems like they all work or they all don't, sort of one of those things and you know, they're they're not um I don't know, not not necessarily my thing. Condors are cool, carpets are cool. Um, you know, they certainly have an interesting look, but I don't see it uh don't see it happening in my future, but I'm certainly not uh not my thing, but that doesn't mean I don't understand why people like them. How about mm-hmm. you? I I've never owned them. And I thought about owning them because at one point I thought the chondros were just far too beyond my ever, like, if if I ever touched the chondro, I imagine it was going to, like, dissolve into dust in my hands because I was that <laughs> bad of a, you know, I, I could chondros were way too advanced for me. So I always thought that maybe carpondros, because now we're adding carpet python in there and I can handle carpet python. So I thought about it a few times and they do have some really cool looks, um, Everybody, when I was thinking about getting them, everybody kind of bit really hard on the Jag Pondro. I mean, and that happens every once in a while. We're all of a sudden you see this big reinsurgence with Jag Pondros. And and then it all died down. So everybody kind of jumped up really high with the Jag Pondros when I was thinking about it. And I never did. I never pulled the trigger. And then Buddy Buscemi eventually dragged me kicking and screaming into uh, Green Tree Pythons. Um and then, of course, you know, I got the carpets, I got the green trees, I got the rough scales. Um, it's like I've got pretty much every base covered that makes me happy. Just they never were appealing to me. Um, I assume that if I had somebody like Bill breeding in my backyard, I'd end up like assimilating one or two by proxy just because we're all those kind of people where it's like, it's a really cool animal. I'll take it. It's like, you know, and then you get home, you're like, what the hell did I just do? So it's one of those things. I don't really have anybody who really works with them near me. So unless Eric starts biting real hard on Carpondros, I'm pretty sure I'm going to stay where I'm at. Um, but I do see their appeal, especially the Jag Pondros, where they kind of like have this, it looks almost like a, a Jag with some really nice green in it. And it's like, that's just cool. So, but I'll probably. Yeah, definitely some crazy and, looks. And I'm sure you know yeah. the one I've, that, that picture that gets tossed around on Facebook every once in a while where it's, is this a uh, Carpondro, or is, supposedly it's just a regular Chondro, but, man, that, it sure looks like a Jag, you know, what I'd imagine a Jag Carpondro to look like. And I, yeah, I think that's what everyone thinks it is, but they, it, 
at least I've seen it presented as, no, no, that's a regular chondro. Well, okay, fair enough, whatever. All right. You do what you got to do, man. Bill has that one that looks like a normal chondro, but he says it's a carpondro. But we'll get to that one. So, I mean, I guess whatever. Well, let's bring him on here. Sound good? Yeah, let's bring Hold on one second. I mean, we're going to bring him on here just so everybody knows. Our guests tonight for the roundtable are Bill Stegel, uh, John M., and John Battaglia or Swoop. So we're going to be bringing those guys on. We've had numerous, uh, had these guys on a few times of their own episodes, and now they're back here for the Carpondo Roundtable. You can go ahead and bring them on, Rob. We'll do this, and then I'll ask my first question to uh, Swoop, and then we'll move on to Bill. All right, so for now we have Bill and John Battaglia. Yes. So let's see. Because John M. has not. We don't have John M. yet. yet. Yeah. yeah. When he's on, we'll let everybody know. Guys, Bill, John, how you guys doing? Welcome back again to Morelia Python Radio. Thank you, guys. Good to be here. This is John B., Sloop John B. Nice. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Again, uh, like John said, thanks for having us. This is uh, Bill Stiegel. Cool. So, all right. For get... One quick uh, interlude. Yeah. On, for, uh, for John, I was trying to get the little clip to work, but... All it was doing was killing the computer. So, you know, I guess uh tried to do it too close to the last minute. And uh, Eric will certainly understand that, man, it takes a while for the audio clips to upload. I wanted to play a little clip, a uh, little intro clip there for John B., but it uh, didn't quite work out. So. <laughs> and, and now you're adding now you're adding sound effects and audio clips? You are going to replace me, like, next week. You know that, right? So. <laughs> Unlikely. So sorry about that. Sorry, yeah. I apologize. I shouldn't have cut in there, but. No, that's okay. all right. I have a funny feeling what you were going to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll just leave that to mystery for everybody who's thinking about it. Um, let's start with John. Uh, I mean, uh, why don't you tell us kind of, you know, for the sake of some people who are thinking about getting into that a carpondro is a morph, um, can you explain what a carpondro kind of is? in your mind, um, and kind of, you know, what got you interested in Carpondros? Uh, so, sure. What what got me interested in them was the first one I ever saw uh, knocked my socks off with the beauty and appearance of it, and I just said, I really like the looks of that snake. I want to learn more about it. And uh, what a Carpondro is is a combination of a carpet python and a green tree python. And there are varying percentages of what percentage is green tree and what percentage is carpet python. And people have used a number of various types of green tree pythons and a number of various types of carpet pythons to create carpondros. And when you use a carpet python that is a jaguar python, uh, people have called them jagpondros. Right, right. So... I mean, so obviously it's not a morph because carpondros themselves can have morphs because that would technically be a jaguar carpondro, right? Yes. Okay. So good. And so now we, you said that the first one you saw knocked your socks off. Where did you see it, the, for your first carpondro? The first one I saw was actually one that I now own, uh, and it was produced uh, – by Speedy Gonzalez and Mark Spatero, 
And uh, I have named it since I've purchased the animal. I've named it Morpheus, which it is a 75% Carpandro, which means it was the union of a a, a 50% Carpandro with a a full-blooded green tree python, which created Mm -hmm. the 75%. So it's 75% green tree, 25% uh, carpet python technically actually jungle carpet python and uh i i saw this animal this was uh before facebook was popular and that we just had the reptile websites which now don't work much anymore and i i uh right. i saw it posted i saw a picture of it and i just thought oh my gosh that's that is one of the most beautiful snakes i've ever seen it just had blue and green and black and it had it didn't look like a typical green tree python. Its head was different. It had it had it looked exactly like what you'd get if you took the head of a carpet python and and morphed it into a green tree python. And I ended up eventually acquiring this animal and I named him Morpheus and he's still in my collection. So it's kind of neat that the animal that I first saw that made me start getting interested and exciting about carpandros I now own. That is cool because, I mean, I doubt very rarely that the animal that got everybody interested in their type of animal ever gets to somebody's collection. Like, I see an adult jungle carpet. Oh, my God, I'm totally obsessed with jungles. The guy who's showing me the adult jungle is never really going to sell it to me. He's going to sell me the babies. So it's really cool that you you got the animal that got you kind of head over heels for Carpandros. So how many do you currently have? Well... I'm not sure how many I currently have because <laughs> I have some. I have some that I, I'm not exactly sure if they are Carpandros. Uh, so uh, I have for sure three. I have for sure four adult Carpandros, uh, wow. and one one of them is gravid at this time. It's a it's a female uh, combination of a green tree python with an an IJ uh, carpet python. And she is currently gravid, and I'm terrifically excited about that. Um, the sire is, is likely uh, Gamma 5, although I'm not sure. Uh, it could be a 75% Carpandro sire, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's Gamma 5. So I should be getting some Gamma line uh, Jagpandros and Carpandros from this union if it all works out. But that is uh. a big if because a lot of things – go wrong more often with hybrid breeding than they do with straight-out breeding. Right. Those are going to be some weird-looking babies. I'm just going to say that right now. I I'm mean, really I'm really hoping I get some offspring from that. I have, uh, several years ago, I put Speedy, my uh, 50% Carpandro, that's half jungle carpet, half green tree. I put him in with a diamond jungle, and mm-hmm. I got eggs from that union that looked a lot just like very busy. Uh, they looked a lot like uh, 75% diamond jungle carpet pythons look. But I, I do believe that they are carpandros for several reasons. Uh, most of the clutch went south, which is, is typical for a lot of hybrid clutches. Uh, their head looks a little different to me than other diamond jungle clutches that I've produced and also one of them has some craniofacial abnormalities. And I have seen 
several craniofacial abnormalities in carpandros at a higher rate than I've seen in other, like just straight out carpets or green trees, which lead me to believe these things I have are uh, what would be 25% carpandros. Really, that that's 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 really cool. So I hope you get some kind of eggs out of these guys. That would be crazy looking. So, um, yep. any idea when she's due to lay? You said she's gravid now. Yeah, she had her pre-lay shed a week ago, so I'm hoping she'll lay in a couple weeks. And uh, of course, I can't wait to see if I get viable eggs from this creature. Definitely keep us up to date on that one. So, all right, Bill, um, we're going to ask you the same questions. Um, it actually says, for the sake of people thinking of a car- the carpondro as a morph, have Bill explain this for you. So uh, why don't you talk about what a carpondro is and, you know, all putting that forward now that I've once again butchered uh, Eric's outline. Um, and then tell us what got you interested in carpondros and uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, well, Owen, it's still early. You got a lot of time to uh, to make up, so you know, think, <laughs> or make it work. I think, I think you're gonna be. I think you're gonna be okay. Uh, I, I thought, John. Hey, John. It's, uh, hey, it's good to talk to all of you guys. Um, uh, yeah, John and I are are really uh, quite good friends, and one of the reasons is because we both have uh, a passion for this uh, this hybridization. And I thought John did a really nice job describing what a carpondro is. Mm-hmm. Uh, carpondro is just, you know, a combination of the two words, carpet, and then, you know, most people know that carpondros were nicknamed that because they used to be from the carpondro python genus, and they're now uh, in the Morelia, probably to many people's chagrin. Um, so, but they're still called, they're still called chondros, uh, especially by the old school guys. Uh, so, chondros, green tree pythons, they're the same thing. And uh, John did a, a good job describing that uh, any of the locality type uh, chondros can be paired with any carpet species or subspecies to produce uh, what we what we commonly refer to as carpondros. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and you know, I guess the the first time that I or how I became interested was actually uh, seeing John's animal that he's already described, Morpheus. And yeah. um, I think I told you guys that. Uh, I, I was going to post some pictures on the Facebook group, really Python Radio, uh, kind of as we're going through the show of some of the animals that we're talking about. And so I posted a picture of Morpheus already, and uh, many likes on that one, and it's a fantastic picture. Very cool. So I saw. So, uh, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no. I, I mean, I was just going to say, Bill. I mean, like, I know you have a pretty good amount of carpondros. I mean, how many do you have currently? I have eight, eight animals currently. Jesus. I've got, um, yeah, I've got. I'm uh, now seeing Morpheus for the first time, and I kind of want a Carpondro. That is <laughs> sick looking. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> well, I, I saw Morpheus first, but then I also saw um, the sibling to that animal, which John also owns. And that animal's name is is Merlin, and I'm going to post a picture of Merlin up also. Uh, Beautiful animal. And so I saw these animals at approximately the same time, and I just immediately – this was before I owned any green trees. I, at the time, uh, just had had carpet pythons. 
And so I saw these animals only in pictures, of course, and was intrigued by them. I didn't actually see my first live carpondro until uh, ICAST in 2013. And mm-hmm. that was that was when um, Eugene had a, ja- a jagpondro, and then I saw John M. He had several carpondros up there. Uh, I actually helped him sex uh, a few sub-adult animals uh, at ICAST. And so I saw those, and he also had four or five babies and in fact john m had produced at least to our knowledge uh the first red neo uh carpondro all the others that i'd ever seen or heard of had been uh yellow babies so i was able to see them in person there and uh i immediately knew after interacting with them and seeing them that i wanted to get uh you know own some and be involved in the project so that's how i got hooked that is cool so, all right, um, John, we're going to jump back to you real quick. Um, can you talk about some of the pros and cons of working with carpondros? I mean, what, like, I know we talked about, a little, you touched on a little bit the fertility issue. Um, is there anything else you can think of that would be a con? And then talk about some of the things that make them really a pro, like you would want to get involved in. Well, well, for me, of course, uh, the appearance of them, and I, I've seen photos of Bill's animals. He's they're just gorgeous. They're 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 unlike anything else out there. So, you know, having and owning a snake that's gorgeous and that's unique, um, that not many people have. It, it's like collecting art. You have something really unique, something really beautiful. Uh, I enjoy the heck out of them. Uh, I also think that they're relatively easy to keep. I mean, I, I do think they have. Some actual the animal itself has some hybrid vigor. I I do think uh, they have some what's called hybrid vigor, meaning that that you know they're they're fairly hardy. Um, I do think the main disadvantages are are breeding, and that uh, you get low clutch yields, or at least I have. I've had several clutches that that were all unfertilized. Um, I've had a clutch where only two. Like when I when I breed carpets my clutches are always 80 percent or above they're just really really good clutch rates and you know with the one clutch i produce that i think are 25 percent carpondros really only three or four hatched out and one was a very unusual animal that i still don't really know what it was um but um anyway uh so that you know poor yields poor poor fertility of the eggs and then you know i've I've come to believe um that the male carpondros do have a fertility problem. There have been I'm only aware of two breedings and and I've collected as much data on this as I can. I've talked to everyone that's that's bred them just about um and I've gotten data. I started collecting data in two thousand four and 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 really the overwhelming majority of breedings occur when you use a female carpondro uh using male carpondros i've seen it uh, successful only twice so those are some things that i think are problematic but as far as the animals themselves i mean they're gorgeous and i'll i'll, I'll i'd like to hear bill's comments on this but i I find them to be very hardy animals, and I don't need to do anything special or different with them uh, much at all. Very cool. Um, 
Now, when you say Hardy, we did just get a, a question off of the <clears throat> MTR chat. Um, it would be, uh, you say they're hardier. Is that compared to a uh, full-blood green tree python? They're a little bit hardier than them? Or and, is it my, hardy as a species? Yeah, in my opinion, they're a little easier than just a 100% green tree python. And in my experience, in my hands, uh, carpet pythons are very easy python to keep. Green tree pythons mm-hmm. are a okay python to keep. They're not the hardest. <laughs> uh, but I have had green tree python deaths that just come out of the blue, and I go, what the heck um, yeah. happened? And and that doesn't happen as much with carpet pythons, in my experience anyway. So I do keep my carpondros at higher humidity than I do my other carpet pythons. I, I spray their and miss their cages uh, and I don't really bother with that except for once or twice a week with carpet pythons. But I do it daily with my carpondros. And, again, I'll be interested to hear what Bill's doing because he's got not only a beautiful collection, but every single one of his animals looks in tip-top shape. Yeah. All right. Um, Bill, um, can you talk about the pros and cons of working with carpondros just by what you figured out? I mean, uh, what what are some of those? Bill, you still with us? Uh-oh. Oh, no. Looks like he's here. Bill. <laughs> Did he come it, back? Hey, Bill, are you he's back? Here. He's gone. Okay. He's dead. He's over. Uh, no, he's in, my, yeah. he's in my basement. <laughs> he's in my basement right now trying to steal Morpheus. That's what's going on. Yeah. He knows you're distracted. So he's right. Like, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> I, anyway. I, 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 I self-muted myself. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> All right. That That's your wife that should have that button. Exactly. She does. Believe me, she does. Uh, I, anyway. I heard, I heard everything that John said, and I was just going to um, echo a couple of his as far as the pros of keeping Good. them. Um, the characteristics that they have, I love in both carpets and in chondros. Um, specifically, they're they're much more arboreal than a carpet, but they're larger than carpondros, and uh, they just exhibit color and and pattern combos that you can't see in, in even the most wild designer uh, carpet or or chondro. So really, for those reasons, and, you know, and again, the the ability to they're a high risk, high reward project. The mm-hmm. uh, Breeding them and producing them are fraught with perils, and all the way. I mean, even doing that with carpets and green trees are tough. But to try to do it and make the hybrid cross, um, you know, and we'll get into this a little bit later. Neither John nor I have actually produced any. You know, we are just uh, have been trying to John longer than I have, but I've I've poured a lot of effort into uh, getting the information and the right animals and. And hopefully this year I'll be successful. But um, and I've got some interesting stories to tell about producing carpondros. But uh, you know it is a high risk, high re- reward project, and and part of that is both a pro and con for me. So, but basically I just like the animals. If I, you know, if I could never produce them and I could I just had to you know keep them, I love them. And you know, I go back to you. You know, you say you know you're not a big fan. And I would say mm-hmm. Eric was kind of on the fence until he came down here and saw them. That's the way that I was with rough scales. I'd take ah. pictures, 
You know, I'd seen pictures of them. Yeah, they look pretty cool, but nah, they're not for me. Until I came up and saw yours. Yeah, yeah, Romulus does that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. I, like I said it, in the intro. It's one of those things where I don't have that much exposure to them. But if I did, I probably could be swayed either way. Especially if somebody was trying to get me on something that looked like Morpheus. I mean, that's a big blue animal. I mean, yeah. Don't don't conjure people lose their minds for a blue animal, and there he is already there as a carpondro. So. Yeah, I I definitely think chondro people lose their mind over blue chondros. And that picture of Morpheus, that one might be about two years old. Um, I don't remember exactly when I took it. Now, he is darker now. He's getting Ooh. darker as he gets older. He is, he is fairly dark. The black has overtaken a lot of the blue. So now yeah. he's sort of a... a steel blue it's not light powdery blue like the picture he's now a darker blue it's like a dark gray black blue combo uh, which has its own good look i just haven't taken a photo of him recently that's Um, very cool i will i will correct one thing bill said i i might have been successful with the one breeding i had with 25 percent carpondro so i i I oh, do okay, have yes. those two offspring that I think and I do believe are twenty five percent carpondros, but it's it's a matter of speculation. The the right. other explanation for the snake laying the eggs would have been that she had retained sperm from a breeding a year ago, which is still possible, of course, because uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't I didn't pair her up with anything else. Um, so um, there you have it. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm posting a couple of pictures. I'm posting a couple of pictures right now on the uh, on the Facebook group, Merle Python Radio, of a 75% Carpondra that was produced by Speedy Gonzalez that that I now have in my collection. But it's definitely blue, gray, blue, steel blue, and, and a lot darker than John's animal. Very cool. Very good. Um, the, so, John, sorry, go ahead on. No, that's all you. Okay, cool. Um, John, what? Uh, how are you keeping these guys? Are you keeping them more like the carpets, more like your chondros? I, I know from what Bill said, they they get bigger. So, but I know you keep you have like mostly display setups, right? Isn't that kind of the way you keep your critters? No, I have um, up in like the living areas of my house. I have really nice display areas, and then I have my snake room in the basement where I have more traditional like you know, boa files and cubes and things like that. And it's, it's you know, racks and cages that it's more, it's not display. It's just sort of the the industrial side of my little hobby. Um, but I keep them in essentially, I agree with Bill, they are definitely more arboreal. Um, and uh, so I keep them in cages similar to what I keep my uh, green tree pythons in, except I always make sure they have a hide because, even though green tree pythons rarely use a hide, um, these will use a hide, these carpondros. Uh, so I always keep a hide in the cage. And other than that, I keep them in the same cages as I keep the uh, my green tree pythons. I just give them more room. Okay. So are those like maybe four by twos or even larger than that? Or? Well, the ones I keep uh, my adult uh, carpondros in are 
36 by 24 by 24. Okay, very good. Very cool. Um, what about you, Bill? What you, are, are all of yours kind of on the smaller end still at this point, or do you have some large stuff as well that's taken a, taken a cage? No, I've got uh, – it's funny. I've, I've got really three different uh, percentages of, of carpondros. I've got uh, two 50% carpondros. I've got a yearling, and then I've got uh, a very large adult-proven female. And um, I keep those really in a combination of a carpet and a green tree cage. In other words, the the female that I have, she's over 3,000 grams. Uh, She's a 50% green tree, 50% carpet. So she's massive. And I've got her in a three-foot by two-foot by two-foot cage with perches uh, and a hide. And the perches are huge. You know, they're they're two-inch PVC pipes. And she will utilize those perches about half the time, and she u- utilizes her hide uh, half the time. And it's really interesting to see her because sometimes when she perches, she'll perch like a carpet would perch. It's more of a draping right. Uh, right. perch over, you know, there's two perches in her cage. And sometimes she'll utilize both of those perches in a draping manner. And sometimes she coils very tightly around one perch, and she perches exactly like a green tree would. It's really, really, uh, really neat to watch. And then the other half of the time, she's, uh, you know, she, she's down in the hide. So I'm going to post a couple of pictures of her again on both of her perching positions. And it's hard to, to gauge her size based on these pictures, but she's, She's massive. Like I said, over 3,000 grams, bigger than any any green tree you would ever find, um, you know, in nature or obviously even if they were uh, fed heavily in captivity, you'll never find an animal as big as this one that perches, you know, the way that a green tree does. So, um, so I've got her and I've got a yearling that's at 50%. And then I've got, I've got several 75% green trees. They are exclusively perchers, never on the ground. Uh, they act just like a pure green tree. And I keep those just like I would my adult male uh, green tree pythons. They're in two-by-two-by-two cubes with a radiant heat panel. Uh, and then I have a, a, a very rare animal that was produced by John M. He's a 62.5% carpondro. He was a carpondro to carpondro uh, breeding, a very unique-looking animal, and it is purely arboreal as well, never uh, never on the ground. Huh, that's really interesting. And and you guys both utilize a substrate, right, as opposed to a uh, like a newspaper or something like that. You're using like a loose substrate. No, mine are all uh, mine are all paper, uh, newspaper uh, or puppy pads or what I use. Okay. And I uh, I do use a. Uh, substrate. I I use a bleached uh, wood pulp substrate. Okay, very cool. And just one other question I thought of along that line, Bill, while you were describing the stuff you had, um, is all that stuff then a chondro combined with a um, a jungle, or do you have a variety of carpet pythons represented in those animals? Uh, they're all over the place. The uh, small fifty fifty. Uh, animal that I have was produced locally here by a guy named Tony Jerome, and it was a it was a very very nice high yellow pure jungle bred to a Jayapura um, 
male green tree. The uh, 50-50 adult uh, breeder that I have, you would swear, has jungle carpet in her, but she's actually IJ. Okay. Hey, um, Very cool. I don't I don't know how to do this exactly. You might be able to do it, Bill. I was scrolling through the photos uh, of my Facebook page. It's called Marelia Trophy Club. And okay. I have a close-up shot of of Merlin that was taken just a month or so ago. I mean, uh, of Morpheus. And it shows how it's more dark black. It's a head photo, but it shows the color he is now. Kind of dark, purplish, bluish, black. Um, and it's... Uh, it's just his head. It's under the photos of Marelia Trophy Club. Um, and I don't know if you could post that on this webcast sure. the way you were doing. Um, and you, you might be able to find it. It's it's in 2015, and it's just a close-up of his head and his eye. Okay. Um, yeah, I can, get it. I can get it for sure. All right. Very cool. Um, John, have you noticed any issues uh, in terms of feeding these guys, uh, either as adults, juveniles, or when they're small. I know you talked about, you know, them displaying some hybrid vigor, so I would assume maybe actually they were a little bit easier to feed than some pure green trees of similar size. Well, um, I, you know, I haven't had, I've just had one uh, Neo that was really just a month old and it was already established. Um, So I haven't, and and the, the two I have that are, what I'm calling 25 percenters, they they ate right out of the right out of the gate, no problem. Okay. And and Bill, that animal I'm looking at, the one you posted now, that female that looks like a jungle, she is just amazing. That's a 50 percent animal. That's a 50 percent, yeah. And the uh, carpet in her is IJ. That that is just so hard to see, but man, she is gorgeous. I'm going to tell you a little, I mean, we're getting kind of a little deeper into the show than I wanted to, but uh, she actually underwent kind of a um, gravid color change where her yellows turned into a a, a bleach white. She actually laid uh, 14 slugs for me two weeks ago. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> oh. I know, the pain. The pain. So what did, what did you pair her up with? What did you pair her up with? I paired her up uh, with a beautiful um, manicory male. Uh, he was small, and so, but they had multiple locks. I'll post a picture of it uh, in a minute. She never, I never saw her ovulate. She, I just knew she was gravid. She went off feed and was heat seeking. Uh, so I kind of had a feeling that the, the slugs were coming. But uh, it was interesting that she's now much paler. Still very very pretty, but she doesn't have that deep yellow. She's more of a yellow uh, white color. Right now, now Bill, this will this will match with what you're describing. But last year, I had multiple lockups with my 50% Carpandro male, who I call Speedy, and a beautiful Highland type green tree python that I've named Bell. And they had multiple lockups, and then she just stayed on feed. So I thought nothing ever happened, and. One day I thought she looked a little larger than usual. I thought, is she ovulating? But she didn't act like it, and she continued to stay on feed, and she laid uh, a number of slugs as well, and I never even knew she was gravid. She uh, she didn't go off feed or? No, she never went off feed. 
She, ne- I mean, she refused one meal maybe, but that she's never been always robust with eating, and it was just like, oh, and then she shed, and I just thought it was a normal shed. Um, but uh, she laid a number of very small slugs. So, again, the people listening to this show could hear uh, this kind of thing just doesn't happen very often with straight-out uh, carpet python breeding or, in my experience, green tree python breeding. Yeah, it's I, I, absolutely more common when trying to get these hybrids to, to breed. It's just uh, we, we've talked about it before, you know, high risk, high reward, um, you know, a project. That's just, uh, just, just the way it is. So, I mean, what what are your guys' take on breeding these guys? I mean, I know it's kind of like one of those, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, kind of tag and go, especially if they're fertility. Um, John, what's your strategy for breeding these two species together? Well, you know, I've interviewed a number of people who've been successful breeding them, and and maybe, again, it's a big maybe, but I might have bred a a couple 25 percenters. But to me, uh, everyone I've talked to has not done anything all that much different. Um, And I've had uh, multiple lockups that each year I have no problem in in getting snakes to copulate that are carpandros. The problem has been what goes beyond that. So um, I haven't done anything different uh, than what I do with my carpet pythons. I do cycle all my snakes in my snake room. I change the photo period. I change the humidity. um, And I change the nighttime high and and the daytime high. And, and you know, I do all those things, and they do lots of breeding activity. They copulate, um, but I just haven't been successful with getting a one good clutch of viable carpandro eggs other than the two I might have produced that are, that are probably 25 percenters. But um, so I haven't done anything different, and the people I've spoken with who have been successful, they haven't done anything different either. In fact, one of the people I won't mention his name uh, because I don't know if he wants me to or not, but he he was recently successful with a jungle carpet python and a green tree python, and he essentially just put them in the cage together. He he wasn't even trying. <laughs> he wasn't even trying to breed them, essentially, but they just went at it and produced eggs. Yeah, I, I, I think I know who you're – I think I know who you're talking about, John. He's somebody that lives about 10 miles from me. And right. I, I know that he won't mind me mentioning him. I've mentioned his name because I have one of his animals. It's Tony Jerome. And you're absolutely right. He has two Marilli in his, his collection. He, has, he owns five snakes, like a rat snake and a you know, couple of Marillia. And that's exactly what he did. In his office, he took those two animals and he just put them together. And uh, they locked and he ended up with, I think, maybe eight or nine eggs. They all looked great. They all hatched. And every baby... Wow. Uh, Every baby survived, and uh, stunning, stunning animals. Uh, really, some of the best 50% carpondros I've seen, and I think it's because both of the parents were just stunning visual animals. The jungle carpet is very high yellow, very clean, and the uh, green tree is just bright green and nice, a lot of nice blue. So there you, there you go. Very yeah, cool. I I agree. I've seen those animals, Bill, and I didn't see them until long after the fact. I just, and if I had have seen them early on, I would have tried to get one as well. I I think it's pretty cool. You have one. I think they're gorgeous. 
Yeah, well, I know uh, I saw Owen's uh, cheat sheet, and so we'll talk about uh, the Jack Pondro <laughs> and Carpondro market. Um, but, yeah, those things obviously flew off the shelf, and if you didn't know him and, and knew he had the animals, um, you didn't have a chance of, uh, of getting one. That, that, that I guess that is kind of like you're in the club or you're not. Um, John, I know you say like, you don't do anything real different, but uh, with carpets being very seasonal and chondros, not really. I mean, could you see that kind of being a, something that could mess you up a little bit? Well, um, no, I don't because, you know, then I just uh, – and when I've bred green trees in the past, I've used mm. seasonal fluctuations, and it's worked for me. So um, I I just still use seasonal fluctuations, and it, it's not going to hurt anything with the green trees, and it will only help with the whatever carpet percentage you're working with. True. True. Okay, uh, Bill, what is your – kind of strategy to tackle this one well kind of like john said uh you know in my place they are carpets are carpets and green trees both are bred seasonally uh it's hard Mm -hmm. enough to have a season here in texas when february you know it's 82 degrees um but i do have a room where i can control the temperatures and my animals whether ball pythons or or green trees or carpets or carpondros, they all get cycled this time of year. And I don't, I don't change the humidity really, but I do uh, have a a subtle temperature drop um, at night. And, you know, uh, again, I really don't breed my um, green trees any differently than I breed my carpets, except I just keep them a little cooler. And the carpondros, I've just been utilizing uh, the same strategy and, like John said, that getting them to lock, you know, if you have a male and you have a female, that's not really, you know, in a lot of the breedings that you do, especially with carpets, ball pythons, getting that lock, you know, you're you're pretty golden. You, you know, you think you're going to have a real good chance of success, but that's not the case, uh, certainly with carpondros. That's just the first step, and it's a small one. Right. Okay. Um, I guess we'll address the big elephant in the room, and that is uh, males being infertile. Um, there has been talk about males being infertile. Uh, what has been your experiences with this, and do you have any ideas of how that issue can and you know can and would be fixed? Uh, John, have you had any experience with this? I um, haven't had any experience with how to fix it. Um, okay. I I I, I um, you know I've tried cooling them a little more to see if that would help. Um, and I have, I noticed in, in Eric's outline, he talked about, uh, combat. I have allowed, uh, snakes to have limited combat in, in my breeding efforts. Um, I, when I do it, I'm very careful. I'm there. I am watching the whole time. I don't leave them in the cage together. I leave escape routes. I usually do it in a cage where I could actually, open the cage so if one snake wants to get the heck out of there it can um mm-hmm. and i do let them wrestle a bit and that that does produce some very aggressive breeding behavior in males that sometimes are not acting very interested prior to that so i've done that with male my and and actually in my entire collection the snake that is most prolific in terms of copulating is my 50% carpondro i've named speedy that that mm-hmm. snake is 
you put him in with anything, he goes after it immediately, and he will stay smothering the animal for days on end, even when they're not copulating anymore. Whatever part of the cage the female goes to, and I don't care if it's a green tree or a carpandro or a jag, he will stay on it. Um, but you know, you should have named you should have named him you should have named him Owen. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> well, that <can't> hell. <laughs> anyway, get to the point. Okay. Um, well, I haven't tried them with non-snake species, so maybe I can't totally call him Owen, but. And, <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway. Um, so you know, I don't really know how to fix it. I don't. I'll. I don't know how to fix it. And you know, the the two people that I've heard who've been successful when I've talked with them and I've talked with them at length, uh, they haven't done anything different uh, than what I'm doing. So. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, do we even think this thing can be fixed? I mean, is it one of those things where it just might be how it works out with these guys? Well, at this point, I think it's just the luck of the draw because the two people that have been successful using male carpandros, I don't know if it's just those particular carpandros were fertile and most of the other males aren't, uh, but I'll I'll be happy to hear what Bill has to say about it. Yeah. Uh, Bill, what do you think about this, and have you had any of that experience with your that are breeding right now? You know, all my experience is anecdotal and, you know, just going through and talking to as many people um, as I can that have been successful and unsuccessful. And I will definitely echo the sentiment that John said. I have not been able to find, and maybe John can reiterate, I haven't been able to find a single 50% Carpondro male that's been fertile. The only, unless, unless that they, unless they've been, bred to another Carpondro. In other words, and, and I take that back, the only male that I've known that's been fertile has been a 75% Carpondro male and it was bred to a 50% Carpondro female. Right. So I can't, I can't find any 50% Carpondro males and there have been many, many produced, you know, in the last two, two decades. I, I don't know of a single 50% male that's, that's been, um, that's been uh, not been sterile or been able to reproduce. So why would a 75% male be able to reproduce? It's uh, I don't understand the you know the science behind that. Certainly, I don't think it's fixable. I think it it probably is what it is. Hmm. And have you tried combating with your guys at all, or are yours just kind of don't even need to do it? You know the and again a, a limited sample study for me personally, but I have not needed mm. to combat the males. They, you know, you get them in with a female that's ready and they lock up. Okay. The area, the area that I've had trouble, and I don't, I don't know how much you've tried this, but the area I've had trouble with getting lockups is getting male uh, jags to lock up with a hundred percent green trees. Mm. That, that I've had limited success with, and that's, that's when I've used the combat. Um, I agree with you. Most other pairings, I, I don't need to do it with the males. But like getting, you know, Gamma Five, if if he's a he's a Diamond Jungle Jaguar, if I throw him in with any other carpet, he locks up r- really within half an hour. When I throw him in with a Green Tree Python, and I've thrown him in with several female Green Tree Pythons, 
he sometimes acts as if there's no other snake in the cage. Like he's not even recognizing there's a female in there. And then when I have uh, encouraged him with some combat, then he has gotten more interested. Hmm. Interesting. One thought uh, in terms of that male fertility or the 50% male fertility, the, the, the thing that jumps to my mind might be as induced ovulators, the, partially right, at least based on um, the hemipenal structures of the male. I wonder if those 50% mm-hmm. males have kind of odd or unusual structures that just aren't causing the female to ovulate at the right time to get you fertile eggs. You know, so you're getting copulation, but... I think going back to Owen's attempt to artificially inseminate snakes, like if those they have such oh, intricate you know, structures <laughs> that if they're not, if you don't mimic that, then it's very difficult to induce ovulation at a time where it'll actually result in fertile eggs. I see. No, well, I mean that that makes sense. So they, it does. Then maybe they're not maybe they're not sterile, but it's a structural yeah. thing. I I forgot. Rob knows like all the backlog episodes of NPR, like, in his brain. So, you know, he brought up the, the snake artificial insemination. I even forgot about that. So, um, that is something. Well, I mean, uh, you, did, you did remember to bring up that, as far as I know, you're still not a proven breeder. Only. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, you keep us that. Anyway. <laughs> Classic. Um, you have her number? Always. Um, do we uh, now? Is there kind of like a theory going around out there? I know. I know. John just mentioned about a, a jag male with a pure green tree female. Do we? Do we have a which way of it goes? Is it, is it easier maybe with a carpet male, or is it easier with a chondro male and a carpet female? I mean, is there is there a pairing that we'd like to do? Uh, well, I, I do think it's it's generally easier with a carpet female and a green tree male. At least when I look over the successful breedings, that's been done more often. Um, and uh, so I do right now my collection. I I have a jag pondro that is uh, it, it's unfortunately it's got very high neuro, but it was done by producing uh, uh, an IJ Jaguar female with a male GTP, uh, and the breeder was Dan Kraft. Um, and uh, it, it's a very pretty snake, but it's got really bad neurological problems. No. Okay. Which I don't I don't think has anything to do with it being a hybrid. It's just that goes along. Some jags are like that. Mhm. Okay. Uh, Bill, have you tried? Um, like, I know you have a bunch of carpondria. Have, have you tried making your own with your carpets and your green trees? Yeah. Uh, yes, and I'll kind of echo John's sentiment that just from the research that I've done, it's much more successful to get a green tree male and a carpet female to get that first generation. Okay. And that's that's what I've done this year. I, I told you about the, the one pairing that I had in an attempt to make 75% uh, carpondros. I brought a pure green tree male to a 50% uh, carpondro female. And uh, the other pairing that I have this year involves one of Speedy Gonzalez's 75% uh, green tree carpondros, and I've got that bled to a pure green tree female. So we'll see how that We'll see that happen. She's actually gravid. Uh, 
Um, oh, that's great news. She's in her post-ovulation shed now. We'll, we'll see what happens with her. Awesome. That'll be very cool. All right. So if I'm lucky enough to get some locks, what is your process to getting the eggs? I know we have no control over this, but, like, do you do any things with the temps? And what do you do once you get the eggs? Like, how do you set them up? Well, I I uh, I haven't uh, done anything different. I well, first mm-hmm. of all, it, you know, with with green tree pythons and with carpet pythons, once they're gravid, I make sure they have a heat source all the time. I I whereas in the in the breeding season, I've I've dropped my nighttime low. Um, once they're gravid, I raise that nighttime low and I raise the daytime high. I want to make sure they have plenty of basking opportunities uh, to just nicely cook those eggs. And um, so I, I, I take away the, the again, the, the, the more marked nighttime lows. I, I raise that and I raise the daytime high and make sure they always have good basking opportunities. You know, with with green trees in particular, and now I have this gravid 50% carpandro, I, I don't like them to have a real high perch when they're gravid because there are cases of, of green trees laying eggs from their perch um, and and the eggs just hitting the floor and, and not being viable. Even though they were fertilized, then they don't, they don't go on to develop. So mm-hmm. I think taking away a high perch is a good idea uh, when you have a gravid uh, carpandro. Makes sense. Um, what are the uh, temps that you're setting the eggs up at? I, uh, I I set most of my eggs up between 88 and 89 degrees. Okay, it's normal python, kind of. a I little just, bit warmer, I think. Yeah, I I um, you know, when I I bred uh, some green trees a few years back. In fact, I think Bill has one of the ones I produced. Um, mm-hmm. I I did a little little bit differently. Uh, with some green tree python breeders, they sort of have, you know, lower temps and then a higher temp and then lower the last few weeks. Even with carpet python eggs, when they're in the final week, sometimes it looks like they're, uh, there's more sweating going on. I sometimes will lower the temperature a little bit the last week. Okay. And any idea how long it would take to, like, is it the normal hatching process or is it a little extended a little shorter in my very limited experience with the one clutch that that maybe are 25 percenters it was pretty much exactly the same as carpet pythons okay cool and uh bill i know you said you haven't had any like viable eggs but are you gearing up to pretty much do it the same way set it up like a carpet python egg or so or uh chondro eggs um, since the uh, the pairing that I have left is going to be potentially 88% green trees, I'm going to treat them just like I do my pure green trees. Okay. Makes sense. So I'll, um, I'll se- separate the eggs. Um, I will uh, candle them. I'll put them in a uh, substrateless uh, egg box, and I'll incubate them straight bake at 87.5. Sounds about right. I- I'm actually uh, toying with the idea of, of letting uh, maternal incubation take place with my carpandro this year. Yes. 
I mean, that's, oh, my God. I don't know why. I, and it, it, I Okay, I know this is, uh, most of my other answers on this show have, have been uh, maybe based on some facts or some evidence or some data. All I can tell you guys is I don't know why. I'm just getting this harebrained idea that I should do it. And it might just be uh, because this could really be a clutch that uh, I want everything to go right with. And I sometimes think Mother Nature does things better than we ever do. But having a snake in a box isn't exactly Mother Nature. So I, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Well, you, you might be. You might have more luck with her doing it. I mean, who knows? She might know a little bit more of what they need to do. Yeah, now, I, I, I don't know. And we'll see. I mean, it would be kind of cool to see. I mean, it would be fun to watch. And, you know, of course, I'm saying this, and it's not my animal. You know, right. I'm far away, <laughs> and it's not my clutch. Yeah, so I'm like, do it. I would never. <laughs> um, the John, have you babies, done? Uh, I mean, get rub. Get rub. John, have you, have you done internal with your carpets or with your other with your regular chondrites? I haven't. And and I've always wanted to. I always chicken out at the last minute because I just feel I'll control things so much better with my incubator and can keep an eye on things. And uh, so I've never done it. And I want to do it one of these days. But because I'm not doing any like just I don't know what word to use, but I'm not doing like any mundane clutches. I'm only doing really extravagant stuff over the past few years. I haven't done anything sort of normal. Um, so I, I haven't really had a chance to do it, but before I retire from this hobby, I, I would like to do MI once. Wow. That would be cool. Bill, would you do MI with your Carpondros? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I've smart man. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right then. Oh. I, I've never done I've never done maternal incubation first of all in any of my animals so I should probably experience that first and uh, uh, John I think John said it best these are snakes in a box and these are hybrid snakes that Mother Nature never intended to uh, to produce so I mean if we're going to be Frankenstein let's just take it all the way to the box. Yeah, and that's the that's the smart answer. That's probably what I'll do. I don't know why I've been having these dreams lately about maternal incubation with this, but go, it might just your dreams, be. John, follow your dreams, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just funny. <laughs> the Aussies are all saying, well, "Yeah, something John, has been done." Pardon me. Sorry, is it you know is it something that you've seen done elsewhere? No, I have like it not with Carpondros. Of, yeah. Not not with, with Carpondros. Yeah. No. It doesn't make oh. any sense to do it with Carpondros, especially because <laughs> green trees don't maternally incubate. So um oh I mean they do, but it it's 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 just still not a good idea. <laughs> right. Hey, you're I mean, open I, for the I, I influence for sure. <laughs> exactly. I mean I know Buddy Buscemi used to tell me he has to like lock his female chondros in with their eggs to make sure they take care of their babies. I mean, the first instant she has the freedom, she's gone and leaves them there. So it's uh, one of those things you kind of, you kind of hope the carpet python thing takes over. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see, but I'm a little curious about the hatchlings. Because um, I was shocked to realize the size 
of a chondro hatchling compared to a carpet python hatchling when I first figured that out. It's, oh, yeah. Chondro babies are <laughs> tiny. Yeah. So are we somewhere in the middle? Are we smaller? And I know you were talking about how carpondros are yellow, and then we had that one red neo. Is it that some of them come out with that color change yellow to red? Do they all come out yellow and red, or are we looking at where they will come out with patterns like a carpet python? Most John, I don't, of them. Mean to, I don't mean to jump in front of you, John, but I was just going to say it depends if you're talking about 50% carpondros or 75% carpondros. See, now you're making uh, it harder for me. So, Well, <laughs> I, I, I can just say that I've dealt with 50% carpondro babies um, because uh-huh. I helped Tony Drome get uh, several established that, you know, that he had trouble getting going, and I, I can just say that they were large. They were much larger than, yeah, much larger than green trees. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sorry, much larger than, yeah, pure green tree babies. And I got them established just like I would a, a regular carpet baby uh, that was a trouble feeder. You know, I, I, I would, you know, try the live hopper mouse. I put the hopper mouse in a bag, um, and then eventually I assist fed it. But I never tried the strategy of. Um, you know, with a, a green tree baby, well, you'll actually, you know, just try to provoke it into eating by almost pestering it to death until it strikes, uh, because they just look so different. The the fifty percenters look and act just like carpet pythons. Okay. And so, and your question, your question about the green, uh, the yellow versus yeah. the red, you know, again, that was in a sixty-three percent clutch. That was John M's clutch where he had, I think, six or seven babies. All of them were yellow and, and one were red. And those were, I saw those babies, and they were much more green tree-like, the way they perched, the way they fed. Um, and I know he got those babies going like you would a, a baby green tree. So I think okay. it just depends a lot on the percentage. So increasing green tree blood is you have the neo colors. And obviously, they have the more characteristics of green tree pythons. Yes. Okay. John, is that kind of what you were getting yeah, into? Yeah, I don't. He, that, yeah, Bill has more experience with seeing the neos than I do, so I, I it makes sense what he said. I, I had one seventy-five percent uh, snake that seventy-five percent carpondro that I got when it was about six weeks old. Uh, and it 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 was a rather large appearing, larger than a, a, a regular green tree python neo at that age, but it had already been eaten a few meals, so it it okay. was about the same. Okay, uh, Bill, jumping back to those babies, um, a, a, like uh, you said, you may have had a little bit of issues with them feeding. Um, what what are some of the things you did to get them to eat, and what prey were you offering? Yeah, it, if I remember right, about half half the clutch ate. There were, I think, eight babies. About half the, mm. the clutch ate, ate immediately for Tony, and I think his uh, first offering may have been. Uh, and this was his. You have to remember, this was his first clutch of anything. He'd never produced a green tree. He'd never produced a carpet clutch. This was his first clutch of snakes to produce ever. Can you imagine that? That would be weird. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. he didn't he didn't know exactly what to do. Um he was offering them very small uh like day old mice pinks. 
And as you know, baby carpets respond to movement and size. Mm-hmm. And so they did not respond to a baby mouse pink that crawled up in the corner and just went to sleep. When he went with mouse fuzzies, he got better response. Um, you know, I believe, like I said, maybe half the clutch eight. I took, you know, and just did the typical carpet uh, strategy. Let's do things like let's just put them in a different environment. I gave them bigger meals, live meals. Um, and I, I think I, if I remember, I took four. I got two to eat pretty quickly. Um, he took the other two back. I can't remember if he assist fed them, I assist fed them. Um, but eventually they all came around and it wasn't a big, you know, it wasn't a big drawn out uh, process. And these were big animals and they had a lot of reserve. They weren't like baby mm-hmm. green trees that if, you know, if you don't get a, a meal in a baby green tree really relatively quickly within, you know, a couple of months, it's just going to die of starvation. These things, you know, it was a couple of months before some of them ate, but once they finally did, they came around like gangbusters. Very cool. Very cool. So you, Bill, you'd hit on this earlier, but I, I guess this kind of leads into the question then, talking about that clutch that he had had. What, uh, what's the market like for these guys? Just generally, don't even have the morphs yet, but just, just in terms of, okay, so you had the Manaquari jungle. You know, I think a lot of it, and to be honest, most of the 50% Carpondros I've seen have not looked that good. Um, you know, they tend to be muddy as adults. These things, when they came out, they were very clean. You know, I mean, very, very clean, and they still are. So, you know, the market, I would say, on what he, what he produced, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know. You're talking about, I, I don't know exactly what he paid, but you're talking about $1,000 mark for a 50% uh, very clean baby. And uh, as the percentage of uh, green tree goes up, you know, the, the price goes up as well. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting listening to this. It sounds like, there's a relatively small number of animals overall, um, and it's probably for those really choice specimens, I'm sure the price goes pretty high. So relatively a limited market, limited supply, limited demand, but for the choice of animals, that, that can cause the price to go up, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely uh, supply and demand, and there just aren't a lot of them being produced, and the ones that are, that look really good. I know um, uh, who produced the Jag Ponders this year. Was it Aaron? Yeah, Marlin? Aaron and Mark Buhali uh, produced them, and they, they were a really good-looking clutch, and they were getting very good prices. At least they had them advertised at good prices. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's always, the whole good thing is always difficult, right, because it's, it seems like if you find if you have the right buyer and for the carpondras, it seems like there's a little bit more of a cultivated market. But on some of this stuff, and more seemingly random pairings of different species, maybe it's a you know a Morelia and a last species together, or a carpet combined with a scrub, something like that. People put a high price. It is genuinely a, uh, a one of a kind or a rare animal to warm up all python these sorts of things, but. Um, a lot of times I think that creates a false sense in someone who doesn't have enough market sense of how these things play out to realize 
Well, they might find one buyer for that, but that's not necessarily a $5,000 snake just because it's a Womo ball python, that sort of thing. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I actually think the, the, the hybrids that seem to command the highest prices are the the hybrids that are done with green tree pythons. That 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 mixing with all the other ones that they've been bred to is what people want most of all. And I, I think that market's a little better than some of the other hybrid markets. I've I've seen people <laughs> uh just on King Snake or Fauna Classified trying to sell some hybrids that nobody'll buy for a couple hundred bucks. Um so mm-hmm. I don't think it's the idea of a hybrid per se, but I, I think some of these hybrids, and I think Bill and I both have talked about this, but some, you know, some of these chondro hybrids, they just are so beautiful. And even if you're not into snakes, I, you know, have people that come over and visit friends of the family that aren't quote reptile people. They'll come in, they'll look into a hybrid cage, and they'll go, "Wow, that's beautiful." And uh, you know, speaking of something Bill you said earlier, I, I agree with you. A lot of the 50% hybrids don't look so hot but uh i'm telling you uh and i know you know this just because you've seen photos but my 50 percent speedy that that snake is drop dead gorgeous it is the the yellow on that snake is more intense yellow than any snake it's it reminds me of the yellow you see in a neo green tree it's just so good um and and it looks here like your 50 percent female is gorgeous as well absolutely yeah 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 and I know I agree with you. Those fifty percenters that that Tony just produced, that you have one, I, I think those snakes are going to do nothing but get better. They they have all the earmarks of that. I just posted a picture of Speedy. I downloaded it before the show, so it's uh, it's on the Facebook. I'm really Python Radio too. Beautiful snake. Thank it you. Looks similar to my looks similar to my female. Um, so, yeah, the high yellow, incredible yellow. Do you guys think as the some of the car- carpet python morphs become a little less expensive, particularly, I suppose, we would, you know, the reason we see it with jags so much, right, is because it's a incomplete dominant gene. Do you think any of the other carpet mutations will get mixed in, or is it a little likely to be held back, at least in the case of those that are recessive? I'll let you take a stab at that first. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that definitely the um, incomplete dominant carpet genes will, will be worked in there first. Um, in fact, I I, I bred uh, last year a zebra male to uh, a green tree female. I had multiple lots, but she didn't go. I'd love to see what oh, that looked like. Um, but I definitely so think... Weird. <laughs> pipe, pipe down, Owen. Pipe down. You got quiet, you. <laughs> if Eric were here, that's what he'd be saying. That is what he would be saying. He's probably saying it right now. Listen, so, I, but but I, go on. I mean, well, I, I just can't see the uh, the reset. And obviously, albino is what comes to mind. You know, do you do you try? It's so hard to produce them anyway. Do you try to produce uh, and produce hats? Then, then what are you going to do with that? You know, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not saying it would never be done. But um, I think, you know, I think you're going to see things like the incomplete or the co-dominant stuff uh, come out first, if it's even possible. You know, so I see that Eric here was asking if – oh, I'm sorry, John. Go ahead. 
you go ahead and ask the question. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. No. I see Eric had asked you if you thought that the uh, albino carpet and albino chondro were uh, likely to be on the same chromosome, so that you could actually pair them together and produce all homozygous albino uh, animals. If you were a betting man, I, I don't think this has been done. And I think the uh, you know certainly what you alluded to would be that until there's more albino chondros, I think that's a pretty unlikely pairing. Yeah, probably. It reminds me years ago when uh, MoreliaPythons.com was kind of active and there was a lot of activity. There was a guy who paired, what did he pair with the Bolins? It was a oh, jungle carpet. It, it? No, no, it was, it was, it was like an IJ. Yeah, it was an IJ an IJ with the Bolins. And you should have seen the response. It was just pretty People funny. Went um, crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was like he was hanging babies up from the neck and and burning <laughs> them a fire, you know. Uh, I, and and in this regard, I I do want to just mention, you know, I I know. Um, I don't have any problem with people who say, you know, I would never buy a hybrid. I don't like it. I don't believe in it. I like my collections to be just species specific and I have absolutely no problem with that. It just likes and dislikes, that's fine. I you know, more hybrids for me. I love the hybrids, you know, but uh but the to take the argument that it's it's somehow adultering nature in a bad way, that that argument I find kind of preposterous. I you know, the 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 chance of any of our little snakes and boxes working their way back to Australia or New Guinea to populate the island is is ludicrous. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have snakes in boxes and we have snakes in boxes because we think they're cool and we like to look at them. And, and, and you know, just I, I'm fine with people saying they don't want hybrids, but don't base the argument on somehow it's going to water down things. Already the snakes we have in our boxes look nothing like the snakes that are in the wild <laughs> at least half the time um mm-hmm. no, nothing like it we have selectively bred for generations and the the stuff we have in our aquariums and boophile cages doesn't look anything like what's crawling around in new guinea right now um and and so i just think it's kind of, that's kind of a silly argument but that's my opinion i think eric's cheering right now you know, yeah probably yeah. Well, other than the the zebra that uh, you were trying, has that actually been done yet, Phil, or would you have been the first? I'm not aware of uh, that particular particular carpondro uh, morph being produced. I uh, I'm not aware of it. I don't think so. I'm not aware of it either. I I was really holding my breath for that. Hmm. Wow. And I, it's so, I guess the question becomes uh, you know. then, are there any other incomplete dominance? Or I guess the polygenic, right? I'm sure Owen, uh, you might hook Owen when you mix a tiger carpet in. Maybe that's the ticket to get Owen. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be well, it. Aaron's, Aaron's was a tiger jag that was ah. the uh, parent. That's right. That's right. It was what? a tiger jag. That would be the next step, I think, is could you put a zebra jag in the Carpondro, or um, would you dip into something else like, say, Morelia Carinata? Into, <laughs> I, I'm saying this is causing me great pain. 
Um, yeah. Would you do that? Would you mix that into a chondro? I mean, uh, I've had this discussion with people who ask me um, if breeding chondro to a rough scale would be cool. And I said it would all depend on one thing. If the scales are rough in the yep. Yep. the battle chondro. Um, yeah. If... If, if everything's smooth, no one's going to care. So it's like kind of along those lines. Um, would that be something you think that somebody's going to get their hands on with a hybridization and do? Well, I, I, will only, I was just going to say, John, I'll only answer that I have heard rumor, and it, it is nothing but rumor, that there is a group in Sydney that has done that, and they, they did it quite some time ago, uh, and that it was nothing special to look at. See? There you go. If it was... <laughs> A rough, if it was a rough green tree python, everybody would be freaking no. So, yep. huh. yeah, that's a good point. And I, uh, for me, I, I, you know, I'm sure as creative as everyone is and everyone's different artistic interests, I'm sure everything is going to be tried at some time or another. For, for me, I'm, I'm sort of focused on, uh, the jagpondros and the carpondros, uh, not working with any different morphs than what I have, uh, Mm-hmm. And that that's my that's my current goal. Um just trying to get that figured out. Um but I don't know Bill about what else you have on your plans. You know, not really. Um I agree it's you know, when you have a beautiful, healthy adult female breedable green tree python, you know, I'm torn about what to put in with her. I mean, I love mm-hmm. chondros. You know, I love chondros. I love carpondros. And the risk reward with carpondros is so high um, that you know it's it's certainly not like I'm taking every carpet I have and putting it with every green tree I have. It's you know it's it's tough decisions need to be made, and you know I just love both projects, and you know I'm like John, I'm just happy to work uh, right now with with what I have. Are these um, produced? Uh, regularly, would you say every year, semi-regularly, is Eugene still producing the, the what he calls the Chaviridis? Do you know, either of you? I don't know. I don't know if Bill knows. I don't know. I, I haven't heard too much out of uh, Eugene in, in the last couple of years, really since ICAST was the last time I saw any animals uh, that came from his facility. Okay, fair enough. And beyond that is is there, would you say, a clutch a year, more than that, less common than that in the U.S. here? I'm looking back through some of my data, and I don't know if I see any that had back-to-back pairings, I mean back-to-back years for the same female. Um, so I don't know. I would doubt it. Hmm. I'm only I'm only aware of a couple of clutches that were produced this last year. Uh, you know, with social media and the sharing uh, of information on Facebook and in other ways, you know, that captures a lot of it, but not all of it. Uh, so, I was only aware of a couple of successful breedings last year of carpondros in the United States. I don't know if you guys okay. heard me mention it when Owen and I were talking earlier, but. I know I've seen this picture on Facebook, I believe coming in from Europe, that's purportedly a pure green tree that has like these pur- this purple blotching and um, just it looks like a carpondro, but it's presented mm. repeatedly as, no, no, this is a European, you know, line 
this is one of the, you know, out of Switzerland or something like that. And this is just, you know, that's a natural form look, despite the fact that it appears to be a carpondra. Have you seen, have you guys seen that snake that I'm talking about? I have seen that photo. And uh, honestly, the first thing I thought was that that photo was a gimmick. I, I had a hard time believing that was an actual snake. Um, I'm I'm not saying I'm correct in that. I'm just saying that was my first impression. I'm looking at the picture. Yeah, I, I certainly see where you're coming. It certainly doesn't. It it would be a very unusual green tree python if that indeed if it looked like that and it was a pure green tree python. Bill, have you seen that picture? Uh, I think I've seen the picture that you're referring to, and I, like John, immediately dismissed it as. Uh, uh, doctor to doctored photo. Uh, there's certainly a lot of fraud out there, uh, not just in green trees, carpondro, you know, carpets, the whole, uh, John, what was that recessive all black animal that was supposedly come out of somewhere in uh, Eastern <laughs> yeah. Europe? And, the panther. Yeah, that, the panther ended up being yeah. spray painted. Spray painted carpet. Spray painted carpet, yeah. Oh. Uh, for potential fraud so you know obviously with anything you have to know your source and and all that stuff but i I can just tell you before the show came on there was some uh stuff going on in the chat room about people being concerned that um high grade carpondros could be passed on as pure green trees and you know my answer to that is you know why would you why would you want to do that the the market value for a you know 75 percent uh carpondro or an 88% Carpondro, even if it looked like a pure, you know, the market value is higher. I, I don't understand why anybody would, knowing, knowing where, you know, obviously you're going to know you have it, and why, so why would you pass it off as such? And I agree with John that if I lived in Australia, I'd be very spooked about, per, you know, these crosses potentially being released uh, into the wild where, where they could procreate. But here in the United States, you know, it's impossible. So, you know, I, I I agree with a lot of the sentiments that uh, John said about the hybrid projects. Could you could you see it going the other way, Bill, where somebody takes a a green tree python and tries passing it off as a high percentage? Because you have that one carpondro, it's a mm-hmm. carpondro, right? The green one, yeah. That kind of kind of really looks a lot like a green tree, but is a carpondro. And I know that like to the untrained eye somebody could mistake that for a pure green tree. Could you think about that, is that somebody might be trying to pass off pure green trees as carpondros? Um, yeah, you know, that's a very good – I'm going to post a picture of that animal that you're talking about. Please. Uh, but, but yeah. yes, I, I, I think this is what the one you're talking about. But, yeah, I could see that uh, happening. But, again, you know, anybody that's going to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on an animal should probably do their research – <laughs> and um <laughs> you know yeah. if they don't I, I have a whole lot I don't have that strong of a feeling. If somebody wants to pass a pure green tree off as a carpondro, well how is that gonna jack things up when they breed it? They're gonna pass it <laughs> off as a you know, I mean I'd be much worried about the other way around where somebody sells True. a carpondro as a pure green tree. Um right. and that's not and that's not gonna happen or it's very, very unlikely to happen. So uh, I, you know, I, I've seen a lot of carpondros. I've seen a lot of different crosses, all the way from 25% green tree to 75% green tree. And like I said, until the 88% green tree comes out, 
somebody that is a relative expert isn't the right word, but somebody that's seen enough of both pure green trees and carpondros can tell the difference. Okay. See, I haven't been exposed to them that much. so. Yeah, in fact, I saw an ad recently that was on, I don't know, one of the reptile posted classifieds, and somebody was saying uh, they were selling a carpondro uh, along with uh, a jag, and that the snake that was in that photo was not a carpondro, and that was just clear to anyone who had seen a few. Um, and they were just trying to sell it as such. It was just a, it was not yep. a carpondro. Yep. It, it really? It looked like just a regular carpet python, actually, of some type. Do you, do you find it more that people, I guess the uneducated, are walking around out there with maybe what could be an integrated carpet python, thinking it's a carpondro? Mm, that's a tough question. Um, I don't know. Again, anybody anybody that's seen enough fifty percent carpondros, I mean, it's just it's not that hard to tell the difference. Okay. Uh, and I guess my last question would be for John. You were talking about breeding gamma stuff into carpondros. What do you think the diamond blood is going to do once it gets in there? Oh, I hope. I hope it just <laughs> will make it very clean and bright. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's where I have my fingers crossed that uh, Gamma 5 is the sire for this carpondro. Um, I think those will be pretty sensational jagpondros, and uh, I, uh, I'm i really excited. And even if it isn't, if the only other males I had in with her were the 75 percenters. So, uh, you know, something good's going to happen. Uh, but I, I would I would be hoping for very bright, uh, very clean, and hopefully with some neat, heavy banded pattern jagpondros. That would be kind of cool. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with the colors on those guys. That'd be kind of weird looking. So, and if it's weird looking, I'll 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 take a look at it, regardless of how I feel about keeping them. I still want to see it. So, yeah, yeah. that would yes. be cool. Good luck. Good luck, John. Good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. And Bill, this 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 carpondro that you just posted up is that a seventy five percenter? Yes. yes yeah, that's gorgeous. That's a gorgeous snake. I lost that so, animal. You know, we we had talked earlier about the hardiness of um, carpondros compared to carpets and mm-hmm. green trees, and um, I've had I've lost two adult. Uh, animals uh, i've lost one adult carpondro in fact that picture that i just posted and i lost one adult um green tree just out of kind of out of the blue not ex- expecting it but i agree with john i think they're very hardy animals you give them the right conditions um and i just i haven't noticed a significant difference in them being more hardy or less hardy than captive bred uh green trees cool very cool. Well, do you guys want to kind of recap uh, your projects for this season, um, both in terms of carpondros and other things, and then what are your hopes and dreams, particularly with the carpondros, for next year? Okay, I'll go first. Um, mm-hmm. So all every pairing I did this year uh, were hybrid pairings. That That's all I did. Uh, and pretty much every female I had, whether it, I had two – 
Well, actually, I did one pairing that was a straight-out green tree pairing. If it works, um, it's with a it's a beautiful Manaquari green tree uh, with my Highland very blue green green tree python, and that would produce some animals that have good potential for a lot of blue uh, blue green trees. That's the only kind of straight-out green tree python pairing. All my other pairings were hybrid attempts. Um, I've had a lot of copulations. I have one. 50% Carpandro that is gravid, and I'm hoping to get some good eggs from her in a couple weeks. My fingers are very crossed. And the sire is either Gamma 5, which is a Diamond Jungle Jag of Gamma Line, or the sire is a Carpandro. I don't know, but I'll certainly be able to tell from what comes out of the egg. Um, I've been pairing my Gamma Line female, which I'm calling Gamma 11, with Speedy, with multiple copulations, he's a 50% Carpandro. At one point, I thought she was gravid because she was basking in an unnatural position, uh, but she's continuing to eat, and I don't know what's happening with her. So I may only get one clutch this year. Oh, I have another green tree python that I've tried with uh, 50 and 75% Carpandros and with Gamma 5 what can I say? She's a slut. She gets around. Uh, but uh, I haven't seen any signs that she is gravid in any way. And and really what I'm hoping to do is to continue. Uh, my my biggest interest really of all is Jagpondros. I just want to get more of the colors of green tree pythons into jag pythons. And, and I want to do that through Jagpondros. So that's my ultimate goal is to I think my ult, my totally ultimate goal would be to create a blue green jagpondro, um, and and I haven't seen one exactly yet like that, but that's that's my biggest goal. Be awesome. so weird looking. <laughs> Bill, so, what do you got cooking? Um, well, we briefly discussed. Uh, my one burnout this year, which was uh, mm-hmm. the pure manicori male that was bred to the 50% Carpondro female, and she slugged out. Um, but she's back on feed. She's doing great. She's I posted pictures of her. She's just a fantastic animal. So I'll probably uh, just let her rest this year. She's a proven breeder. Brandon Osborne um, produced 75% green tree Carpondros with her two years ago, and uh, I acquired her from him. So I'll let her chill this year and enjoy her and try her something something else uh, the following year. I still have a, a project that I'm really excited about. It would be uh, the potentially the first 88% green tree carpondros, and uh, that was one of Speedy Gonzalez' uh, uh, 75% carpondros. It was Bellow. He's that one that uh, is, is kind of that steel blue. Uh, I think I posted a picture of them breeding, or I will. Uh, he bred a pure Bioc green tree, and she's gravid. She's in her post-ovulation shed right now. So I'm hopeful uh, that, that she'll she'll lay some fertile eggs. I've got uh, a couple of designer green tree pairings this year. I've got a high blue pairing and a melanistic pairing. Uh, the melanistic pairing is a repeat from last year. And as far as future... Uh, man, I can't wait to pair my rough scales. I love those things now. Totally addicted to them. They're fantastic animals. Uh, they're one of the high, you know, people come into my snake room, and, and they gravitate to two things. 
they gravitate to the carpondros and the rough scales. And that's snake people and non-snake people alike. So I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, Rob, right up your area, you know I've got a pair of rhino rat snakes that uh, have a couple years to go yet before they're ready, but I've, I've really enjoyed messing around with those. They're beautiful, unique animals. I don't have any colubrids at all in my collection, and so I, I really, really have enjoyed picking those up. And I did it on a whim at uh, yeah. Tinley. <laughs> Owen, you remember Bill. this? Yes, because Bill at Tinley is like watching a kid skip through a candy store. I'm like, he goes running, and I'm like, where's he going? He comes back, and he's got a skull that he got from Ari. He goes, keep this behind your table. I'm like, what? And then he goes off again. And then he comes back, and he's like, I got these. I'm like, all right. And then he's like, how much for that caramel tiger jag? I'm like, for you? That. He goes, good, box it up. I'm like, you know, Jesus. So, yeah, I mean, he was all over the place. It was great. I, I know. I couldn't help myself. You, you're right. I was like a kid in a candy store. And, in fact, I bought those rhinos, and I had to leave early Sunday. So Zach yeah. bought them for me. And then I think Eric ended up – Eric or uh, Zach brought them back to Philly and then shipped them to me. I, I don't even remember. But, oh, yeah. yeah so. they, they almost didn't make it in the box. Um, if they had not <laughs> been watching me when I was unpacking my stuff, I probably would have ran off with them. <laughs> but, yeah. They're, they're they really, really great, cool. Though. Yeah, well, I appreciate your help. I've I've asked you several questions about them, and uh, it's always nice to have a go-to guy when you're working with new stuff. And uh, so those are definitely new for me. And uh, then, again, to try to branch out and learn more about snakes, I've acquired some Borneo short tails. And I've got a pair pair that should uh, be ready to breed this upcoming season. So Matt and Juan, those, those are my boys for those. Well, those are your that was those are your carpet fest auction winning purchases. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, guys, thank you both very much for coming on. Um, now, I want you guys to kind of just uh, jump over. I mean, uh, give a shout out how people can get in contact with you. Uh, throw out your websites, your email addresses. Uh, John, go ahead and throw out all your stuff that you want to throw out there. Okay, so um, I, I'm now on Facebook. I just joined last year. I'm a little slow to get up to speed. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, wait a minute. You'll be tweeting next. <laughs> oh, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> but um, So I have two Facebook pages. One is called Morelia Trophy Club, and the other is just my name, John Battaglia, B as in boy, A-P-P-A-G-L-I-A. The Morelia Trophy Club Facebook page is just solely... Uh, my reptile stuff, and then my John Battaglia page. I have friends and family and reptiles and everything. That's a hodgepodge. Um, I have a website, and it's called moreliatrophyclub.com, and um, and those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Uh, there's a way to contact me on the website by sending an email on the contact page, and so that's easy to do. Awesome. Uh Bill? Probably the best way to contact me, uh, I'm all over Facebook, and I'm uh, Bill Stegall. That's S-T-E-G-A-L-L. I also have a business page on Facebook. It's Phoenix Reptiles, Phoenix like the city. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions about uh, carpondros or green trees or carpets. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out. 
Owen and Rob, I think, uh, and maybe John, too, you, you both know I'm going to be hosting the second annual Southern Carpet Fest on April 30th. And yeah. that's going to be yeah, that's going to be a big one. We had about, I think, 30 or 40 people here last year. And if I had to guess, it's going to be 75 to 100 this year. So a lot of people are coming in. Got some people coming in from the West Coast. And I know uh, Eric is committed, and I think he's going to shove Owen in one of his overnight bags. <laughs> a big bag. Eric and I are having what um, we have usually every couple months, which is a meeting about the radio show and like uh, item number two is is Owen going to Southern Carpet Fest? Big question mark. So uh, we will see when we have that meeting where we sit and uh, what's going to go on with that. But uh, I heard it was a great time, and Eric may have drank too much. So <laughs> which night? Uh, <laughs> well, this is. This is it, it's going to be a big. Uh, it's going to be a big deal. I'm not doing it by myself. We've got Matt Morris coming in from Austin, Evan Broders local, Austin Warwick, uh, Dave Perlich, uh, and a handful of other people are going to be working on this. Um, but it's you, you know what Carpet Fest is. It's just a big party, and it doesn't uh-huh. have to be not carpet people. These are carpet people, chondro people, ball people, and anybody that has a reptile. And can get here. Uh, they're invited to come April 30th. Very cool. Hopefully, we can get that going. I'd love to go. So, if you're in the area, definitely check that out. Um, gentlemen, thank you both for coming on again. I'm. I, I guarantee you, we'll end up having you guys back on uh, for something. Maybe when you guys hatch out some more carpondros, or when Eric finally wants his fix of them. So, uh, again. <laughs> Thank you guys for being on, and we'll we'll catch you guys uh, a little bit later down the road, okay? Great Thanks talking for with you all. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Good night, Thanks, guys. guys. Bye. Well, Rob, that was a good show, and we didn't burn down the studio. So let me right? run through the outro <laughs> before, <laughs> before I do do something horrible. Um, so next week we have Carpet Fightons with uh, Carolette. I think is how you pronounce that. I can't read. So um, that is going to be a cool show. It's getting back to the Carpet Pythons. I know we kind of deviated for a few shows, and now we're always going right back to it. Um, for the shout-outs, definitely go over to uh, and vote for us on the Reptile Report um, for Radio Show of the Year. You can vote once a day. Go on, vote, and then the next day, vote again. I don't care if you have to put a stupid little alarm clock on there. Uh, it would mean... Uh, a, very, a lot to us to kind of, you know, get that recognition. Um, we do try to put on a good show for you guys every week. So if you can, jump over there. Uh, you have to register on the Reptile Report to vote, so go ahead and do that. Um, Morelia Python Radio, if you like the podcast and would like to learn more about Morelia, you can check out your local library. No, I mean, um, you can check out MoreliaPythonRadio.com. <laughs> Um, if you have any questions about the show, future guests, if you want to call us out on a mistake that we made, which we do do a lot, um, you can email us at info at Uh You can also go check us out on Facebook.com. Uh, just type in Morelia Python Radio. Give us a like. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I did not know we had a Twitter. Um, and that would be <laughs> at Morelia Python at Twitter. Uh, 
I, I, basically, right now, is I'm trying to make Eric say "God damn it, Owen" as much as possible on his plane ride back from Florida. So uh, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or whatever podcast app you happen to use. Help us spread the word. Share the shows that you like. Uh, post up comments. Um, if you want to join the uh, chat session that we have going on on Facebook every show, uh, send send a message to myself or Eric, and we will add you over there. Uh, a lot of times, any pictures that we're talking about are posted up there. You can also ask questions during the live show. Um, and we'd appreciate if there are any breeders that would like to volunteer their time to come onto the show. It's always a good time. We're not mean people, mostly. Uh, and, of course, <laughs> we will ask the questions that you want us to ask. So, <laughs> and... No one cares what you're doing, Eric. Get out of here. Um, that's just kind of the way it goes. Also, if you're on Facebook, go over and give a like to the Morelia Pick of the Week. You can post up all the pictures and any news you have going on with your snakes, Morelia or not, uh, just no for, for sale ads, okay? That's that's the only rule. For E.B. Morelia, I don't know why I'm doing his stuff, but um, check out, he didn't come to the show, uh, check out their website, ebmorelia.com. Email him at eric at ebmorelia.com. Uh, you can also go over to Facebook and look up E.B. Morelia and like them on Twitter and Instagram and all the other fun stuff. Uh, Rob, what would you like to put out there? Go ahead and throw all your stuff out there. Okay. Uh, well, on Facebook is either High Plains Terpiculture or Rob Stone. Either one will work. Um, messaging, I suppose, works better as Rob Stone just because it comes into that personal uh, message box, which is a little easier to get mm-hmm. to. Website is rhinorats.com or highplainterp.com. Both go to the same place. Something that I'm working on, uh, hopefully in anticipation of this uh, season. I have big hopes and dreams, and I hope I get it. Uh, hope I get it done. And certainly, if I start getting good clusters of eggs, that'll be a, a real motivator to get that done and get that to where I want it to be. So, I think that's about it. Very cool. Uh, for me, what I will say is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com, check out all the stuff we got on Rogue, as well as family trees, lineage, uh, bios and all the animals, as well as animals for sale. Also, if the animal is not listed for sale, it's not for sale. Stop asking me if I'm selling my rough scales. I'm not. So um, there's that. You can also go on Facebook.com and look up rogue-reptiles on Facebook.com. Give us a like. If an animal is for sale, it will go on the Facebook page a week before it goes on the website, as well as King Snake and Fauna. This way, the Facebook users get first crack at the animal. Um, I do have a show coming up the 27th of February in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. If you're in the area, please come by, check us out, say hi to us, and it's a good carpet show, the Hamburg show. You have myself, Howard Redding. Jason Balin and Eric Kohler, uh, and I believe I'm bringing my Hobbit with me this time. So Eric will be with me, I think, from noon on. So uh, if you're in the area, definitely come, say hi, check us out. That's all we got for you guys this week. Uh, what I'll say is thank you all for listening, and we're going to catch everybody next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night. Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin and Marklin and I 
created the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is... It's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination, full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords, and use our Buy It Now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the Marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use shipyourreptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit TheReptileReport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder. Then visit ShipYourReptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related. 